Welcome to Joyful Eating. I'm your host, Jules Clancy, a former food scientist and winemaker turned cookbook author and health coach. I've discovered a simple way to have a joyful relationship with food without sacrificing pleasure or my waistline, and I can help you get there too. Listen on to find out how. Hello, hello, and welcome to Joyful Eating episode number 35. So today we're going to be talking about the important topic of how to stop overdrinking. But before we get to that, I thought I'd share the best bite that we have. So we have just come out of lockdown where I live. And so my Irishman and I went out for dinner on Saturday night to a brand new restaurant that's just opened. And it was amazing. They had this dish that's got like, so the restaurant, it's called Onziam. It's in um, in Australia. It's in Canberra. If you're ever coming to the ACT, make sure you go uh, in Kingston. And they have like, it's all wood-fired cooking. So they've got this beautiful big wood-fired oven and they cooked this like cabbage dish. So it was like cabbage cabbage wedges that had been like cooked in the hot oven. So the outside was a little, like the outside leaves are charred, but you pulled them away and the inside leaves were like soft and melting and just beautiful pappardelle pasta, like a little bit of bite to it. And they served that, the cabbage with some anchovy, like an anchovy sauce, like an anchovy kind of mayonnaise and bush ducker, which is like this spice and nut sprinkle. And it was just like, oh my God, it's so good. They had the crunch of the nuts. It was just, yeah, so good. The plan for today is, first thing I would just thought, thought I'd share, like why I'm doing an episode on Stop Heavy Drinking Now, and then my history with alcohol, how I went from being a winemaker to someone who can like take it or leave it. And then I'll go through some detailed steps on how you can stop overdrinking yourself, if that's something that you'd like to work on. And actually, I should mention that like the principles that I'm talking about here, I'm talking about in, in terms of alcohol, because that was how I applied this in, in my own life, but anything that you are, that you're doing in a, in a, that's having a net negative impact on your life. So it could be sugar for some people, it's bread, like something that you feel a bit out of control with, this process will work for that. It could be even like, you know, if you're online shopping or Facebooking or you know, over Facebooking or whatever, anything that you're overdoing, um, you, you can apply this process. So, uh, but we'll, we'll talk about it in terms of alcohol. And then I'll share a key takeaway of how you, exactly how you can apply this process to your life. So why this episode now? Um, I just thought it's coming into the silly season, so we call it here in Australia. So, you know, December's coming and we don't celebrate Thanksgiving here. So we just have, you know, Christmas parties will be coming. And I, and I just have that feeling that this year, because we've been in lockdown and last year was a bit of a, you know, non-event in terms of festivities, that this year people are going to be going hard. Um, so I just thought it'd be a good time to just kind of review this and give you some ideas because I'm sure there's a lot of people that that need help with this. So my story with alcohol is there's actually this will give you the abridged version because I, I actually did a whole podcast episode on I think it was episode four or three it was called Booze Hound anyway and I went through my whole like you know what's and all <laughs> um, history with alcohol and um, so I won't go, go there but but basically, you know, I, I was I was a winemaker, so I you know, it was part of my identity to be someone who drank, <laughs> and I was always that person that was you know at the end of the night like yeah let's open another bottle like you know just really loved the culture of wine, loved the science behind wine, loved drinking it, loved alcohol bars, like all those things. Like I was definitely a drinker as part of my identity, and it's still like to this day kind of 
really surprises me that I've actually done this work and have actually been able to change my whole self-concept, really, like how I see myself and that I no longer see myself as, well, I'm not a winemaker professionally anymore. I haven't done that for a long time. But also like just that I don't see myself as someone who struggles with alcohol. I don't see myself as as someone who has a problem with it anymore. Whereas before it was always lurking there under the surface. I'd be like, yeah, yeah, no, I'm okay. I'm okay. But, but really I was worried. And, you know, I'd be one of those people when you go to the doctor and they're asking you like, how, how much do you drink? I'd be like, uh, you know, I know this isn't great. And I'd be like, oh, you know, I'm a winemaker. I used to be a winemaker, like kind of making a joke about it, but didn't feel good. And I, I knew I was drinking too much. But yeah, just sharing that with you, just so that you know, like this isn't like something that was easy for me. Like this was something that had been a lifelong problem that I'd kind of managed on and off. And I, you know, I was able to do, you know, Feb fast where I wouldn't drink for a whole month. And then of course, after that, I'd be like incredibly thirsty and just going mental with it. Um, so yeah, I've, I've been there basically is what I want to say. And, um, the fact that I've been able to like really turn this around is, is, I still like have to pinch myself sometimes and go, wow, you know, like just on Saturday night when we were going out for dinner, like it just wasn't because we live out of town. So it wasn't like this drama about who's going to, who's going to drive, you know, it wasn't a struggle because I just knew that I would go, I'd have one glass of wine. It would be great. I'd be fine to drive home. Like it just, it was just, it's just so easy and just so different to how my relationship with alcohol used to be. So yeah, so it really is, I'm just sharing with you, not to go, you know, look at me, I'm amazing, but just to share with you, just start sowing the seeds of possibility in your mind that we're, you know, that it could be possible for you to have a different relationship with alcohol. And just because it's been something that you've struggled with in the past, doesn't mean that it always will be, like it is possible to change. And so, yeah, these days for me, like I usually, um, you know, usually have like one glass of wine a week on average. Uh, occasionally I might have have two if I've got a couple of things on, but usually uh, I like to have wine when I'm going out. So it's I, actually because we've been in lockdown, I've been at home, I haven't been having as much. But like if I go out for lunch with my dad, you know, have a glass of wine then or, um, you know, going out for dinner with my Irishman, have a glass of wine then. And that's pretty much it for me. And that's, that feels good. That's a, that's a nice amount. I don't get any of the net negative consequences. And yeah, it's just, it's just, you know, I do have to still work at it. I do have to still be conscious and make conscious choices about it. And I'll share more about that in when I talk about the how-to section. I am still putting conscious thought behind alcohol, but I, that that crazy desire isn't there anymore. And that's what feels so free. That, that's what feels really good. Okay. So that's where I went from winemaker to someone who can take it or leave it and is very happy just having one glass of wine when I go out for, for dinner. Like it's kind of crazy. So yeah, that's that's where I've got to now. So let's talk about move on and talk about um, yeah, the actual how to. Like, how did I actually go from like this crazy Bhutan winemaker to someone who has a healthy relationship with alcohol? Before we go into the how to section, like I'm not an addiction expert, and I'm sure you know, there will be some people that where this solution isn't going to work, and that abstinence is going to be the only way. So it's up to you 
If you think it's possible that this could work for you, then it's worth trying, but just keep in the back of the mind that you may need more help, right? This isn't like some magic bullet that's going to fix everything for everyone. So if you try this and this method doesn't work for you, then you're seeing a professional who can help you with addiction is definitely the way to go forward. And there's no shame in that. Like we are all wired differently. We have different biochemistry and different you know, mental processes and stuff. And you know, if this method doesn't work for you, then then that's okay. Like abstinence is always an option as well. But if you're someone who you know doesn't want to go down the abstinence path and you really would like to find this balance that I've been able to find, then this is how I've done it. And this is, you know, this is how I'd recommend that you do it as well. So the first thing I did was I had a really compelling reason to change. So what happened was... Um, this was about four years ago. We had a family gathering. It was like my mom's 10th anniversary of her death and got to bed with my family. And I just had this bender on the Friday night. We were staying, all staying, my siblings and all our, our children and everything was staying in this big house. And I just, yeah, got really hammered <laughs> on the Friday night. And I was just so much shame the next day. I was like, right, I am not going to do this anymore. I there has to be a better way and I'm going to change. So that was one of the, the first things is I have this, this kind of moment where I was like, no, I'm not going to do this anymore. And I decided I was going to find it another way. But then I also had some other compelling reasons to change. So, so one of them was that shame around my family, you know, being a good role model for my children. Like I didn't want them to grow up seeing alcohol as, as this struggle. Like I wanted to show them that it was possible to have enjoy alcohol and have fun with it but not let it rule your life <laughs> and not let it be this, this big, dark, negative thing. Um, and, and I had another really big, compelling reason for me to change was um, just my sleep. Like I was really noticing how if I had one at nighttime, particularly like I would wake up and wouldn't be able to get back to sleep. So that was, that was a huge motivator for me as well. And then also just learning more about um, the cancer risk with wine. So my mom did die from breast cancer. So that's something that is on my mind and just since, since learned, and this isn't widely known, that with breast cancer in particular, like even one glass of wine per week, like significantly increases your risk. So you can imagine if you're having like bottles, <laughs> bottles a week, like what that does to your breast cancer risk. So those were my reasons. So the first step really is for you to connect with your reasons why. And you're going to need some strong ones because this isn't easy work. Like it isn't that, you know, one day you decide to change and then it's all rainbows and daisies. Like it is, it is going to take some effort. And so you need to have those, that strong reason to keep, help you keep going when you get to the hard parts. Okay. So once you've figured out your, why you want to change, like you've got your compelling reason, then the next key step is just developing this habit of deciding how much you're going to drink and when you're going to drink in advance. So you want to be deciding before you start drinking. Actually, I should give credit to um, Brooke Castillo from the Life Coach School was the person, like her podcast is the Life Coach Coach School podcast. And that's what I listened to that weekend when I had decided that I was going to stop drinking. And this is what she recommends. And the reason why you want to do that is because we have different parts of our brain. And basically when you're making decisions for the future, so if it's, you know, Friday morning and you're going out on Friday night, like if you're thinking about Friday night and you're making decisions about Friday night, from that place of like thinking about Friday night in the future, 
you're using, you have to use like the prefrontal cortex, which is the most evolved part of our brain that can think about, it can think about planning and it can think about long-term consequences. So it can weigh up, you know, the short-term pleasure and the long-term consequences. Whereas if you just wait until you're in the moment and you drink and you it's Friday night rolls around and you just pour that first glass of wine or get that first beer going and you don't even give it any conscious thought, then you're making your decisions using a different part of your brain, like which is the amygdala, which is like the more primitive part of your brain that actually isn't able to think about the future. It doesn't understand that concept. All it thinks about is in the present moment. And then the other thing, if you're deciding in the moment is, you you know, the more you drink, the more you're getting the alcohol clouding your ability to think. And so that's further distancing you from your, the rational part of your brain. And that's just making it harder and harder to make good decisions. And so what we want want you to do is, that, so the only kind of alternative to that path of making decisions in the moment and not making great decisions in the moment is to get into this practice and this, and actually, you know, I see it as a discipline of um, this habit of just, just deciding in advance and being really conscious of it. And so how do you do that? Well, basically you just want to be really specific and you'd want to think through exactly what and how much you're going to drink before you start drinking. So when you first start doing this, it's important to be realistic and just to make it as easy as possible for you yourself to stick to the plan because you want to build this habit of making the plan first. So how you do that is, yeah, deciding exactly how much before you start drinking and and you want to be realistic. So if you normally have six beers and three glasses glasses of wine on a Friday night, plan six beers and three glasses of wine on a Friday night. Don't go, I'm just going to have one beer and one glass of wine. Like you, What you want to do is, first of all, be realistic in your plans, get into the habit of deciding in advance, build that habit first, and then over time you can start to reduce the quantities. But you don't want to just jump in and go make it really unrealistic from the beginning because they're just setting yourself up for failure. So you want to start small and build this momentum and get some small wins happening. So once you've got your plan and you've decided in advance you know, what you're going to be drinking for you know, whatever time frame, then what you're going to notice is you'll, you'll start drinking and then you're going to have some urges come up. <laughs> and the next step is to anticipate the urges. So basically what's going to happen is you're going to like, say you, you planned like four glasses of wine, you've had your four glasses of wine, and then you're going to be like, oh, there's more left in the bottle or there'll be some thought that comes up and you'll have this urge to drink more. And what you want to do is just like anticipate that urge. Cause like, of course you're going to want, want more. Like alcohol is a highly addictive, you know, substance. <laughs> like it's designed for us to want more and more. So when these urges come up, just be prepared for them and you want to have some fun with them. Like I like to laugh at myself. Like, yeah, of course, Jules, you want more wine. Like, and you, what you don't want to make it, the urges mean is that you have to give in to them. Like you don't want to, oh, I'm having this urge to drink. So therefore I need to have more. Like, no, you're having the urge to drink because 
you're having the urge to drink, just actually allow the urge to be there and just let it be, you know, yeah, of course, like, of course you want more Jules, but you plan this and we, we want to stick to our plan because this is, this is the way that I'm going to be able to have this healthy relationship with alcohol. Like we st- developed this plan for a reason. You just kind of like talk yourself through it, have this, and it's all happening in your head in like, you know, a matter of seconds, but just start to bring awareness to those, those urges. And, and the thing is that, that you'll notice when you do the, over, over time is that you have like the urges that come up are generally, you know, pretty habitual as well. So you can anticipate them. You can have a bit of a joke with yourself and, and like just don't make it mean that you need to give in to them. Okay. And then along with like um, anticipating urges, the other thing you want to do is just get good at noticing your self-talk in the moment. So when you're having these urges, there'll be thoughts that you have around the alcohol and there'll be thoughts that you're having around sticking to your plan and why. And there'll be thoughts about, you know, oh, this that was a stupid idea. I should have planned more or whatever it is. Or you know, I don't want to waste this is another one. Like, oh, there's just a half a glass more. It won't matter. Like those sorts of thoughts. So just start to become aware of those thoughts because those thoughts drive your feelings and they, they drive your actions. So if you're thinking thoughts like, you know, it, this won't matter or it, it doesn't matter just this one time, like if you think those thoughts, then of course you're going to you know, break your plan and you're going to have more than you anticipated. So what you want to do instead is just have some some thoughts prepared. So when you're in that moment and you're having that, that decision point of like, do I stick to my plan or do I have more than I'd planned? Then you can bring out this self-talk, then you can bring out some thoughts that are going to direct your brain and, and remind yourself of all the reasons why you do want to stop. It's funny, like going out for dinner on Saturday night. Normally for me, it's like, you know, you order, just order a glass of wine, wine comes, you know, I enjoy the wine and then, you know, move on to water, sparkling water or I have order a tea or something. Or if there's, you know, kombucha, I'll play around with the non-alcoholic options. But anyway, so it's funny because this restaurant that we went to on Saturday night, they were, it was like opening week. So it was their first Saturday night and their liquor license hadn't been fully approved, but they had like a a license to sell takeaway alcohol, which meant that they couldn't sell, serve wine by the glass and so they could only have wine by the bottle. So it's like, right, okay, so um, my Irishman drinks red and I drink white. So I was like, right. So I ordered my, my bottle of Chardonnay thinking, yeah, okay, I can, I can still do this. And then of course, he just left it on the table with me and I'm like, right. So of course I have my glass and then we're, you know, still going on dinner and then the bottle's just sitting there looking at me and I had some self-talk and I actually, I could hear the thoughts of like, oh, I could just pour a little bit more. It won't matter. Like no one's going to notice and I could, I'll still be able to drive. Like I had all these thoughts going and, but then I, and I, I kind of have a little bit of a laugh with myself. It's like, wow, this is really testing me, isn't it? And I thought it was interesting because I knew I was going to be recording this podcast episode uh, on Monday. So I was like, isn't that interesting that this this situation's come up? It's perfect for um, to share this example. Like, so I had a bit of a laugh with myself, and then I just started thinking, no, it'll be better when I stick to my plan, and that just gets me 
thinking about all the reasons why I want to stick to my plan. Because, you know, we're going to have to drive home in the dark and we've got lots of kangaroos on the road. It's really dangerous. So yeah, I probably would be still under the limit, but the more I have, the more fuzzy my thinking will be. Like it won't be as safe. Like I just started thinking those thoughts. And then I also thought about this recording this podcast and being able to tell you guys a story about how I'd stuck to my plan uh, and how I'd managed my self-talk. So yeah, like that helped me just let the bottle be there the whole, um, for the rest of the meal. And we had cheese and I could have easily had the thought of, oh, the the cheese will be so amazing with that Chardonnay. But I didn't. Like I just like got some sparkling water and I just stuck with my water and just let the wine be there, let the urges be there. And it was fine. So that's how you want to do it. Like, so that's the key. Um, and then another important part that I could like could have added at any time is just finding alternate beverages so that you don't feel that aren't alcoholic, so you don't feel like you're missing out. So for me, I really love drinking sparkling water, so that always feels really nice when I'm out at restaurants. At home, I make my own kombucha, and so when I have at dinner time, like um, you know, when my Irishman's having having wine, I have my kombucha, and that like it's fermented, it's got the lovely flavors, so I really enjoy it, and I don't feel like I'm missing out for me. And another thing that I have is like I love tea with milk, so um, oh, I love. I do drink all tea, but um, so at dinner time, like having milk with my tea is a bit of a bit of a treat. So that's something that I that I do as well. So yeah, like finding alternatives definitely made it easier. And I think if I didn't have the kombucha, like that when my Irishman's drinking on Friday and Saturday nights, would be harder for me to not feel like I'm missing out. Whereas now it's like I've got the kombucha. I know I'm better if I'll have a better sleep. So it's just, I, even if I do have that urge or I wouldn't mind, sometimes I do ask him for a sip to try his, but I don't ever go back on my my plan. And sometimes there'll be Saturday nights where we've been in lockdown where I have planned a wine and I have had, had my wine at dinner time. So, um, but yeah, like having the, having alternative beverage is definitely a, a good project and it can be a fun project. And like when you're at restaurants, like there's lots of people that are doing really fun non-alcoholic beers and that like there's actually some really good quality non-alcoholic beers these days, but also like other fermented drinks that aren't alcoholic that can be really delicious. And so just explore and have some fun with that. The final thing I want you to to take away, like the final kind of final piece to the puzzle is evaluating and learning. So this isn't a journey that you just decide, oh yeah, I'm going to change my relationship with alcohol. And then, you know, from that point on, it's all easy and sunshine and rainbows. No, <laughs> that's what, well, I guess it's possible. And you know, if that happens for you, that would be amazing. But for me, it was definitely a journey and it wasn't, you know, a journey over you know, a couple of weeks, it was something that took me probably a good two years before I got to a a good place with it. And it's something that I still feel like I am working on um, and that I'm mostly in a good place, but it could, I could easily backtrack. So I'm always mindful and I'm always just paying attention. So what you want to do is just approach it from this perspective of this is a new skill that I'm learning. And just imagine like you're a kid that's learning to walk. So there's going to be times where you plan stuff and you completely ignore your plan and go off track. And that's okay. Like that, don't use that as an excuse to quit. That's part of the process. Like that's part of the journey is when you fail and you break your plan, like there's something there for you to learn. And so what you want to do is like, just go back and think through 
what exactly was the self-talk that came up? Like, what was the situation? And then what do you want to do differently next time? And that way, over time, if you get into that habit of just getting curious, like one of my clients, Melanie, she's always saying, you know, curiosity, not condemnation. So don't beat yourself up. Don't feel guilty. Don't feel shame, but just get curious and go, "Uh huh, okay. So that didn't work so well. That plan didn't work so well. That self-talk didn't work so well. Or I had that that urge. What do I want to do differently next time I'm in that situation? And the other thing is, yeah, like don't expect it to be perfect and don't feel like you have to get it right. So it's coaching uh, one of my naturally healthy club members about this. We actually have in the group one bonus call a month where we just focus on alcohol and people who are struggling with alcohol and sugar because it's you know slightly different to the work that we do around having a healthy relationship with food. And she's been doing really well planning and she's like ready to like I think she's she's having like three glasses of wine a night and she's ready to step it down so that she's having less, but she was so worried about it. And I could see that she was worried about failing and worried about not getting it right and just putting too much pressure on herself. So I just said to her, like, you know, it's okay. Just treat it as an experiment, like treat it from this place of curiosity and just knowing that you you can plan your two glasses and then just see what happens and that you'll either stick to your two glasses and that will feel amazing or you'll have you 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 won't stick to your two glasses but you'll learn something you'll be able to you'll there'll be the self-talk that comes up there'll be that the urges and then you'll be able to figure out what to do differently next time because of you've had that experience so you're always either learning or winning and just like taking that pressure off the need to get it get it right Okay, so let's review, like, how do we actually go out stopping? So that was a lot. (laughs) Um, So first you want to make sure you've got a strong reason to change. Then you want to start practicing this, get into this habit of deciding in advance before you start drinking. Um, You want to anticipate the urges. You want to manage your self-talk in the moment. So just being aware of all those little thoughts and then redirecting those thoughts with the thought like it's better when and reminding yourself why it's going to be better when you stick to your plan. Um, another part of the journey is having some fun, finding alternative beverages that you can drink, or if it's sugar, like alternative things you can eat. And then the last part is like evaluating and learning. So the key takeaway for today is it really is possible to change your relationship with alcohol. Like if I can go from crazy booze home winemaker to someone who can have enjoy one glass of wine a week and feel satisfied with that like it's really you know that's it, that is huge <laughs> so I want you to see it as as a possible and the secret is to really develop this skill of deciding in advance and then sticking to your plan and you want to do that from this place of this is for me I'm doing this for me and this helps me like not from a place of I can't be trusted and giving yourself a hard time and really you know this the key thought that drives that for me is that this is how I get to enjoy alcohol without the negative consequences. Because, you know, having one glass of wine is great. It's not a problem. It's when you have like, you know, three or two or three or four that actually for me, yeah, three or four that it gets to be problematic. Uh, so yeah, if you found this helpful, I'm actually running, uh, because silly season's coming up, I'm actually running a, a one-off workshop. Um, it's going to be on the 20th if you're in the U.S., Um, So in the afternoon on the 20th of November in the US and 20th of November evening, um, European time, which is 
like Sunday the 21st in the morning, Australian time. The workshop's going to be called um, Guilt-Free December. And the purpose of that workshop is really to help you navigate the silly season so you can find this balance between enjoying yourself and all the social activities without guilt or shame or regret so that you're able to start the new year feeling good. And I've broken it down into like a really easy to follow process. So if you're interested in that, uh, just go to thestonesoup.com forward slash blog forward slash GFD. So like GFC, like the global financial crisis, <laughs> but what comes after that. So the GFC becomes the GFD. It's just going to be $25. It's one off. You'll get lifetime access to the re- the replays and it's going to be really fun, but it'll be really helpful to just set you up for the silly season so that you're able to go through, enjoy everything without this kind of the dark side. And um, if you're listening to this after the 21st of November, 2021, um, the replay will be available inside the Naturally Healthy Club, which is my six-month group coaching program. So details on how to join that are also on my blog, thestonesoup.com, if you go to the coaching tab. So if you're listening in the future, you will be able to look at that. We enroll twice a year. And yeah, happy planning and happy drinking. Okay, bye. Before you go, this is the best part. So if you enjoyed Joyful Eating, subscribe to the podcast and I'd love to send you a copy of my free cookbook called Six Ingredients 20 Minutes, Simple Whole Foods for Joyful Weeknight Dinners. It's full of easy recipes so delicious they'll satisfy even the biggest food snob. Just Google Stone Soup and you'll find it.